Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey everyone, welcome to Absurdity. If you're new here, this is an exploration of the absurd in all things religion, culture, and society. Uh, And when I say all things absurd, really what I mean is all things that we find absurd. And hopefully... If you're here and you stay, it's because you've resonated with something that we've talked about. Um, So this is, uh, I'm really excited to be joined by my co-host, Tony Anoboli. So Tony, how are you doing, man? I'm good. He's taking a selfie. I'm doing really we gotta, good. We got to do that 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 Instagram promotion. We got a promo. While it's, we... So it's National Siblings Day when we're recording this. And um, I just want to make sure before the day is out, I get. So the peak time they're actually saying to post stuff is like 2.30 and 8 at night. And so I'm a little bit late, but I'm, I'm, I'm hitting just about one of the peak times uh, to post it. So I'm putting uh. it out there so that people can see and appreciate it. I would have put it earlier today, but I forgot. So, oh, well, there you go. Um, they, oh, well, um, well, all right. So before we jump in to today's episode, um, or this week's episode, I guess this episode, I don't know when you're listening. You could be Whenever. listening to this like eight months that's later. The cool thing. Just this episode. Yeah, that's the one cool thing about not being live, um, or at least being recorded yeah. rather, cause you can do this live and then record it, but like someone can hear this anytime. Like eons about from half now. of our downloads. Uh huh. What? Yeah. Do you want to? No. You want me to go? No. Go ahead. Is that what no, we're doing you're, here? You're, go for it. <laughs> um, about half of our monthly downloads come from uh, people going back and downloading old episodes, and that's wild yeah. to me. Um, that's just so cool to see that people are going back and listening and and finding topics that they resonate with. It's really cool, and to see that happen consistently too. Uh, is just really cool. So, uh, but a couple of things before we jump into today's episode. The first off is it is April 15 that we are releasing this episode 
but we're recording it before April 15, which means that I can't announce the winner of the giveaway on this episode because we don't have one yet at the time of recording this. So the winner of the giveaway has been announced or at least will be announced by 7 p.m. Eastern time on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash absurdity podcast. So if I can tell who you are based on your uh, iTunes name, then I'll announce it with your name. If not, I'll announce it by your username and I need you to claim it. So uh, I need you to come and claim it if I don't know who you are. So, um, but feel free to reach out, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash absurdity podcast and go ahead and send us a direct message uh, so that we know who you are. Um, so that's it for the winner of a $50 Amazon gift card. I will send it your way as soon as I know who you are. Um, Yay. And on the other um, so that's us giving you money Yay. on the other side of that, <laughs> on the other side of this. Um, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. Yes. You like how consistent my URLs are? Um, if you uh, want to donate and support this, Patreon is like the monthly version of Kickstarter where you can keep supporting your creators that you follow. And we do ad free episodes for every tier and we do uh, bonus episodes per month for uh, or on a monthly basis for those who donate $5 or more per month. So go on, head over there. I have some cool plans uh, coming their way uh, in the future as that community grows. But today, Tony, talking yes. about a growing community, look at that segue. Um, I am really excited to talk about this. You sent me this, actually. So you sent me an article yeah. um, from Relevant yeah. on Twitter. This is how we discuss all of our um, our episode. Yeah, ideas usually is it's just like DM each us other links. DMing on Twitter, just like dude, 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 dude. What about yeah, this? You need to see yeah. this. Yeah, our our uh, it's it's great too because it's an archived uh, message. Yeah, so we right? can like go it's back. An archived and... conversation. Yeah. Well, oh, what was that thing you said? I don't know. Let me scroll up for five seconds and find we're out. We're in so many other like group threads on the various social media. I think like Twitter's the one kind of place where it's like. If I get a message from you, I, I know, like, oh, yeah, that was specifically from, you know, like, Ryan. Like, I can look or up. Probably for yeah, absurdity. Like, I can yeah. go to this particular thing for absurdity. Yeah. Versus, like, with other, it's like, oh, well, what were we talking about that day? I have to go back, like, three, four months. With that one, it's just, like, the link plus what do you think? Plus maybe a message from the other person. Um, and it's just, like, yeah. really easy to find. Honestly, my my biggest pet peeve with group threads, I wouldn't mind group threads if they always included people with the same phone. The problem is right. that there's the always green. one there's Android always one user. Group. And that's the thing is that there's one, always one. mess it up for everybody else. Yep. At least they got over the problem where sometimes it would send like an individual message out to everybody oh, gosh, yes. rather than like, you know, at least they were able to fully fix that consolidation problem. But man, I hate not being able to mute name conversations, things like that. So like naming them is the biggest because naming helps me actually sort them all out. Otherwise, I feel like I'm getting inundated the same way I do with social media in general. Um, it's super frustrating, but oh well. So yeah. uh, now that we've sufficiently gone off topic, Tony, you <laughs> sent me a relevant article <laughs> on um, yeah. on churches, uh, and um, I don't want to spoil it. So I'm going to go ahead and let you give us kind of a rundown of what that article was, since you're the one who found so it. So I'm going to actually go and find the actual article. Um, that way is that because you forgot it no but i want to make sure i want to make sure that i'm actually saying the correct thing oh that's not you why is it that doesn't match um so 
Because, uh, and this is the other thing, their description of it is, is like really, really good. And so I want to read it. So it specifically says, churches with declining attendance have found an interesting way to stay open by becoming places of commerce. Um, and the basic premise of the article, which is, is quite good, is the idea that churches um, are turning into coffee shops. They're turning into basically taking the same business model, if you will, as um, like a Starbucks or a Panera Bread. Um, like we want this to be a place where people hang out. And so churches, for the most part, don't get used I'd say five days out of the week, maybe two days out of the week. Like they're, the, the facilities are being used for the most part. Um, and so they have this open space. And so they, what they've been saying is, hey, let's rent those out. Um, there's a really cool link to a video that they have. Um, I believe it's CVS um, that did it. Um, and what's happening is that as they rent themselves out and people kind of come, oh, I like the coffee here, then they can add and say, hey, um, this is also a church. If you'd like to come find a community here, you know, come and, and yeah. stick around. Um, you already know. And so they already know the building. They already know the space. They feel comfortable in that space. Um, and it forces you to make the space um, workable, I guess is the best way. Like, that's my problem with a lot of churches. I, I took a... Um, a class in how to design and build churches. And one of the big things that the professor was harping, and this is a construction guy, granted, this is not a theologian, but who do you want to learn building from, right? Like a construction guy or a theologian, right? And he's a dude who's built a lot of churches. So he, he pushed multi-use, right? He said uh, pews, while they might look nice, while they do all that kind of stuff, you can only use them for one thing. Chairs are 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 much better. Um, they're actually ask a five year old what he can use a pew for. Well, just okay, ask a five year old like, what he as, can use a as pew opposed for. to like. All right, but then that's that's all that space can be used for. So, I mean, yeah, no, so I'm you saying like flat, so flat, flat. You know, not don't don't make it like a a, a concert center or something. Make it flat. Um, make it usable for a lot of different things because. What you can do with that, especially the way you design it around, like if you, he actually said, don't even have a stage, like have a very small stage or something like that. Um, because again, it, it cuts into usable space. And I really, really vibed with what he was saying. Um, and so when I saw this article, I just clicked with me like, oh my gosh, that's so great. Because one of the other th kind of side advantages they were talking about is that people feel more comfortable in that building. And one of the reasons why people stopped attending churches, um, and actually this is a real thing, like from other Twitter uh, uh, polls they've done of people, one of the big reasons why people don't go to church is because they feel uncomfortable in that place, right? Um, because there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure coming into a place that's specifically designed for God, right? Like a cathedral is built to make you feel the greatness of God. But when you have not such a great relationship with the church, um, that can be very intimidating, right? Like that, it can give the opposite feeling of what you're trying to go for, um, which is not majesty, but it's like you have, you know, like I just want to picture like Gregorian chants and like chains in the corner and like a dungeon, 
is what I'm saying. So um, I, th- I just, I, when I hit it, it just was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I think also because yeah. one of my dreams, and this is something that you and I and Steve have talked about, is planting a church together um, and specifically making it like a coffee house or a smoothie shop or something like that on like a public university um, and just being able to use it like the entire week. I think that to me is just like, it, it, I, I would love that because we actually had a, a coffee shop in Chattanooga. Do you remember that? The camp house? That that was also a church. It's still there. Yeah. And so um, I forget you're in chat now. <laughs> um, and so yeah. I didn't even realize it was, but I totally would have gone um, because I feel comfortable in that space, you know? Yeah. Well, and this is what this is. This is kind of there, there's a couple things that bothered me, not necessarily about the coverage itself. Um, right. But there's um, a. Uh, I don't like so if you go and watch this video, which the link is going to be in the show notes, so don't worry about yeah. that. Um, and it'll be on our Facebook, so we'll share it around uh, for sure. But uh, basically, there's a guy that goes in and basically acts as a consultant for these churches right, yeah. to help them transition into a multi-use facility. And CBS did a, a whole spot on this, like a three-minute spot. What I don't like, what makes me uncomfortable, is a guy basically. I get that he has he's finding a need and solving it. I just don't like that it kind of feels like he's preying on struggling churches to do it. Um, but I, I like what he's doing in general. It just like something about it, and I I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is, but something just makes me slightly uncomfortable. By I can it. see that. Maybe yeah. it's um, maybe it's because I, I if if there is nope, I can't. I don't. I don't know exactly what it is. I think the the one thing is maybe he might convince people there's a crisis when there isn't one. I could I could definitely um, see and, that, but from what I understand, yeah, from what I understand, like if people aren't coming to your church, then you call him versus like the other way around where he kind of shows up. Um, yeah, but but even still, yeah, I, well, I, that's I, I what I'm saying. Like I don't know that. I could definitely see where you're coming from with that because there's yeah. always anytime the there's thing- an opportunity, there's an opportunist. You know. For every yeah. every time you have a place of confidence, there's going to be a confidence man or confidence woman, confidence person. What's the PC way to say mm. that? I don't know. A con person. Anyway, um, but the you know the, the the point is that I could totally see how taking advantage of a church, especially one that maybe can't help it, um, can come across that way. But in my head, I'm like, man. I just, I see so many churches that are floundering and don't have a way out. And if this guy's offering a way to make them relevant, like not just, not just that they're relevant, but they also can actually make money as well. Like I'm like, all right, well, Hey, it's best of two worlds. Right. But, but yes. And okay. So here's, here's what I find interesting because at one point, and this wasn't in crisis mode. I mean, yes, the church was dying, but I, I didn't think like we'll die if we don't do this but I wanted to figure out a way to serve the community. Um, and so I was trying to figure out when I was pastoring, how, what can I do with one of my churches? And one of, one of my elders uh, helped people. He, he basically was like a consultant and he helped people start businesses. And I was like, why don't we use the church as a co-working space? We have all these unused yeah. children's Sabbath school rooms yeah. because we don't do Sabbath school anymore uh, in these rooms. Why can't we convert these into some office space that we rent out throughout the week? And immediately when we talked to the conference about it and suggested the idea, we got hit with a legal loophole. 
or a legal problem. And this is what I'm curious. And I wish the, the news portion, uh, the, the news article touched on basically the church's nonprofit status gets threatened. If the, basically the majority of what you do in a church building has to be nonprofit work. A certain amount of for-profit work can be done out of out of the facilities, but if if it's a certain if it's past a certain proportion, um, I don't know if it's like sixty forty or eighty twenty. I don't really remember what it is. This was a few years ago, um, but basically, the church's nonprofit status can be threatened. And with the Adventist Church, because the churches themselves aren't independent entities, it's the conference. Um, you actually end up threatening an entire conference rather than just your independent church. Right. That's well, specifically that can, with Adventism. Even, that can even go higher to division standard level or country yep. level. So, you know, so yes, yeah, I, I, I could see that. It I, is. I, I will say the, this article is more conceptual for Adventists than practical, pragmatic. Um, specifically function yeah, within, yeah, functionally, within functionally speaking, speaking in our system. Yeah. It's more of a con- concept for us because, again, the, the, the conference owns the building, not the church itself or the congregation. Um, so even that's like a different versus, you know, I think even Methodist churches, like the congregation owns the building. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think I so, think though. I think so. Um, Considering that the church I lay pastor with rents from an uh, from a methodist church and they came up with a contract i think independently of the denomination yeah i think that that's i think so true, i don't, I don't know i'd have to do more research for that but you know adventism at least in that context like yeah it's it's more of a concept that we're trying to bring out um as usable space and and versus you know like oh this is something we can replicate um, yeah, because I think I don't know. That's the one thing that kind of frustrates me being Adventist is like I feel like every time someone comes up with a good idea, we have to like modify it because we're like, oh, that's great, but that wouldn't work for us. Like that's like, literally why I started the so many, podcast. so many, there's <laughs> so 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 many just great ideas that I'm like, I, we can't make that work for us because yeah, can't like Bill Hybels yep. will come up with stuff and it's like that ah, doesn't. Yep, nope. Um, yeah. I'll read books you know, on, uh, from other pastors on like, oh, this is how to lead a congregation or this is how to do that. And, or I'll hear, you know, there's a video by, uh, uh, it was one of the Bill Hybels conferences, but a, a really great pastor. I can't remember his name, uh, but he pastors a church out in, in Los Angeles. Um, it's, it's called Mosaic Church, I believe. And his name's like McAllister or something like Kevin McAllister or something like that. And one of the big things for me was like, he was, he was saying really good stuff but then I was like, oh, yeah, that and I could pinpoint the exact, not necessarily theological, but practical reasons why it couldn't work for us. And that's my frustration a little yeah. bit with this with this article, with this concept anyway, is like you can't just take it and modify it for the area like you have to make it Adventist in a sense. Um, well, here's here's my biggest problem with yeah. this. And maybe this is my problem with the news article or the way it's portrayed, but. My big disagreement with this is the motivation for doing the multi-site or the not multi-site, multi-church use or multi-use building. The motivation here is our church is dying. We need people in the building. So we're going to now we're going to start doing something that serves the community using our campus like that really fundamentally that bugs me. And I get that. Okay. Yeah. But they're still doing something good. 
Like, yes, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like if every what that tells me is that that church is actually selfishly minded. It's not made. It's not meant to serve the community. It's not trying to like that's not why it exists. It exists to grow. It's like it exists for its own um, prosperity and perpetuation. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. But like. Oh, but Ryan, uh, all churches care about growing. And I'm not saying that that. Like it being interested in its own growth is is um, is an issue um, or is a problem. Yeah. What I'm saying is it being majorly interested in its own growth or only or solely interested in its own growth is it is is sad to me or is frustrating to me because like I look at Jesus who taught stuff that made people run away from him, yeah. right? Um, he did stuff that people didn't like, and yet he still grew. His his motivation was I'm going to preach truth and love people because I value them. And then people will follow. Right, yeah. Whereas whereas I need people to follow, so I'm just gonna love them as a uh, as a um I, I don't know, a way to open what? the door. And I, I just yeah. it doesn't it's not okay. Like that's just dirty to me. I don't like it. To me, I kind of had the issue I had was a little bit on the other end where it was like I don't have an issue with you making money, but again I go back to one of the reasons why they were doing this is that okay, are you doing this to, you know, bring people in the building or are you doing this to make money? So it's kind of the same thing with the motivation, but it was like some churches are doing this to pay the rent. And I'm like, um, like I, that, Don't that's where wrong. I was it's uncomfortable. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, no, no, no. I think it's a great it's a thing, but yeah, thing that was, where, that was, where, that, was yeah. that was my issue yeah. with it was like, this shouldn't be a thing you do to make money, right? This shouldn't be a thing you have to do to keep the lights on. I get that's why, but like sell yeah. sell it and you know go to a smaller area or something like that. Yeah, if that's it's a the beautiful thing. thing where they intersect. But, think, but if they yeah, don't, if intersect, the motivation then. behind it isn't correct. Yeah, if you're just doing this because you're like, well, we have to exist, so this is how are we going to make money? Which I, I'm not saying they do, but I'm saying if that's how they're coming from it, and it does kind yeah. of present that in a little way. Um, I will say that, like especially the article kind of presents it. They don't see it necessarily as a bad thing, but to me, I'm like ah. That's not why we're here. We're not here to make money and then yeah. also worship Jesus. Yeah. Like that well, the money I think thing it, should be a secondary benefit, which is why that's why I said like it doesn't bother me what he's doing as long as they're like, hey, and we get to make, you know, we're relevant. If they're doing it to make the church relevant, I'm behind that. If they're doing it to make money, that's an issue because like one is a change of mentality and motivation, right? Like they're changing their motivation to be, yeah. you know what, we haven't been relevant in this community this is how we become relevant and it's taken us too long, but we're going to start now versus yeah. we're dying. This is a, this is a way of staying alive. And it's like, that shouldn't be it. Like if you're not providing, I don't know, but yeah, so I'm with you on that. Well, I'm with the, you. the other side of this is at least within Adventism. Um, but I see this across the board. Most churches were not built as multi-use churches because they were built in the eighties or seventies or nineties. And so, like, literally for them to be able to become a multi-use facility, they have to yeah. renovate. And renovation ain't cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I was looking at just I was looking at just updating a couple bathrooms to make them ADA compliant and um and actually make them like more than one person at a time. And we were looking at like twenty thousand dollars just for yeah. some bathrooms. No, it's, like it's expensive. it's it's no it's no joke. And and then you're um, taking a huge leap with all right are the people I'm hiring actually going to do the job? Um, well, but to me, I think that also brings up this idea. Oh, but, but Tony, we, we have brother, brother Jim. Oh, he can, he can do it for us. On that. 
He's got a he's got a drill and a ladder. Yeah. Don't get me started. And Look, no insurance. You know, the funny thing is that <laughs> actually doesn't happen as much in Caucasian churches, but in Hispanic churches, oh lordy, oh lordy, mm-hmm. this happens all the time, all the time. I've seen this so many times, and I'm not saying it as a stereotype, like oh, it happens all the time. I have personally heard and seen with my eyes and ears churches trying to do that where they're like oh well hermano ernesto used to build houses in honduras so he can totally come and just like set all the stuff and it's like do you, i i know personally of five churches that had to they had to shut down for over a year and a half one of them up to five years because they were built so badly out of code that basically the county or the city inspectors came in and were like <laughs> You need to burn. It would be cheaper to burn this building down and start from the beginning than to start over again. Like it's a real thing that they try to do this. Don't get me started on that. Well aware, but that to me, I think, brings in the next issue, which is okay. So we're down on this concept of becoming a usable space, Um, and let's say for for our purposes that it's minimal. That maybe it's not even all right. Let's say you're not doing it for money, right? Which while they were doing it for money, let's say you're just. During the week, you're giving out free classes or whatever, right? Like, it's just an open, usable space, right? Community center. Yeah. Um, Where do you draw the line with what you are comfortable with, with what you are going to allow? Yeah, I think I love that, like, the the examples in in the news article were, like, yoga, tai chi, uh, yoga classes, tai chi. I know of an Adventist school that does Zumba classes on Wednesday nights, Um they're like they open up their cafeteria and they move all the tables out of the way and they do a Zumba class in there. Um, so uh, like you, you, the next question becomes if you could convince all of your church members to do this model, the next question becomes what's appropriate. Uh, and th- that's, I think where it becomes difficult. Um, and I think one, one, uh, yoga Tai Chi and, uh, <laughs> would, and maybe Zumba wouldn't be allowed in a lot of churches that I can think of. Um, majority of them. But uh, the one example that I loved from the news article was one of the guy, one of the pastors was saying, yeah, someone, we did say no to someone. Um, and it was a person who it was an entrepreneur who was doing pole dancing classes. Yeah, that was, and we oh had gosh. to say no to yeah. that. That was hilarious. Um, I think so. Yoga, Tai Chi and pole dancing. I think it's hilarious too. I mean, um, I, I think, I, look, I mean, and, if, and if the church say, can like, Pole dancing, I understand, is a legitimate form of exercise, right? Like, I'm not knocking it as an yeah. exercise. Like, it's very tough to do. It, it works a lot of different muscles and stuff. But I'm just like, I would love to watch someone try to pitch that at an Adventist church. I would literally pay money, yeah. to just one board meeting. That's all I would want. And I would be I would be happy for the rest of my life. Like, I would be happy. You can do this. You can be the change you want to see, Tony. You well, can pitch no, no, no. Someone pole else dancing classes. pitch. A pole dancing class. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I um, want to watch someone. I would pay money to watch someone else pitch a pole dancing class. Fair enough. I think honestly, I think the line is determined by every individual church. Um, it, the same way that we d- determine other lines with what we do. Um, I it's for me. Um, I I would aim for I would look at what the what the most kind of what the biggest growing uh, businesses are or the biggest, you know, in my area or the biggest need for certain things in my area. And that's where I would target multi-use uh, toward. But I think what this seems to be is if, if entrepreneurs are approaching churches for this, then I, it almost sounds like they're just posting on Craigslist saying we have space for rent uh, on community bulletin boards. We have space for rent. Come call us and, and let's make this work. 
So honestly, I think it should be taken on a case by case basis. I don't know that there is a like if you're gonna do it, just well, do it. I, I remember um, one area there were it was an urban church, and I can't remember who was telling me, and I can't remember what they were talking about, but they were saying how um there was a group that wanted to like use the facilities or as a as a as a restaurant or something like that, but they wouldn't let them work or no no, no, they wanted to buy the property and build a gas station there or something, and they were like, no, um." We can. We'll only do that if or rent the property or something like that, because buying they could do it on their own. But I think they wanted to rent the property um, and use it as uh, like a, a gas station or a store or something like that. And they were like, "No, um, we'll only do it if you don't work, or if you don't open on Saturdays, and you don't have caffeine and you don't serve meat." And mm-hmm. it's like this is in a super super duper high Ritz area. Um, it's a place where a lot of people would be. They would make a ton of money. Um, it's a super smart thing, but it's like, all right, they've put so many restrictions on it that nobody wants to touch it now. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. you're losing a like legitimate, only- like it wouldn't put you in doubt because you're just renting the, the like it wasn't a legal thing. Like they were free and clear to do that, yeah. but they were like, oh, well, we'll only do it if you completely subscribe to our beliefs. And I'm like, how you're doing the reverse of what you're trying to do. Like by trying to be a good yeah. witness by quote unquote sticking to your beliefs, all you're doing is making these people feel like you're being and and I get the fear of like, oh well, if you compromise in one area, I'm like, but they're they're not it's not gonna be associated with you, but people are going yeah. to drive by. Like, you know how many people actually drive by this place but don't go in and aren't, you know, they don't know about it because there's nothing next to it. I think I think what you're doing is you're communicating your standards or beliefs in the most disrespectful yes. and restrictive and, way. And, and that you are not communicating. That's like saying no, no businesses. Um, yeah, no businesses can can eat meat. Cool. What you're telling me or can can cook meat here? Cool. What you're telling me is uh, that uh, that I have to give up meat if I really want to join your and, community, and, and that's not actually and true. I understand if they're like no alcohol. Right. Like that's one that I'm like, all right, I can kind of get that because, you know, they have a school and that's a different to me. That's a different precedent. Right. Like that's a different. Yeah. Not story per se, but like, that. Like, OK, that's one that I can be like, all right. All right. That's fair. But like, well, you can't do it on Saturday. You can't do all this stuff. I'm like, you know. I, I, I just I feel like it's part of that relevancy where it's like you're not doing it on Saturday. Um, and if honestly, like one of the, one of the arguments I think was that, oh, well, our members will be tempted to go there after church. And I'm like, if that's first off, like, okay, if your members are that weak, that that's going to tempt them. I have bad news. They drive by how many different things. And, and as someone who has gone out to eat, I'm revealing too much here. Um, I would never, I specifically go away from churches (laughs) I need to eat on Sabbath. Like I go, I'm like, all right, where's the church? All right. I'm going to the opposite end of this city. Right. Because I'm like, what is the, like, uh, no, see, that's where they all go. You need to go right next no, door. See, but that's, that's exactly it. It's like, how dumb, you go right how next dumb door. would you have to be to sneak across the street to eat? Right. Like, yeah, no, I, 
Um, for me, I think there, there are easier ways around that kind of thing. Like for example, if you don't want them to use it on Sabbath, just be like, Hey, uh, we don't rent out on the weekends because we want to reserve it for church functions. But see, there, it, Oh my yeah, word. Yeah. What a, what a awesome idea. Like you could totally <laughs> say that. And the, but here's the other thing for me, like, especially in this particular case, it was just land, but let's say they were saying the building. I'm like, if, if they're renting that out. You, uh, to me, I value so much more the exposure to our beliefs. Like other churches are like, yeah, okay, come. Like, like to me, it sets that precedent of if a drunk were to walk into one of our churches today, would they be welcome? Right? If if a meth addict were to walk into one of our churches, would they feel welcomed? Would they feel loved? Would they feel comfortable? Would they feel at home? And I'm not saying like it needs to look like a crack house. I'm saying. Would the reception we have be like, this is the place for them. This is absolutely the place for them. Or would we feel we have kids here? We have, oh, we need to protect them from. And I'm not saying that has to be one or the other. I'm saying that's the mentality is we've made it either or, right? Like, obviously, you want to make sure that, you know, I don't want to say certain people are kept out. But like, okay, yeah, you don't want bad things to happen, (laughs) right? But at the same time, I'm like, if a juggalo were to walk into my church, Right. Or let's say I order coffee on the Sabbath and there's a juggalo next to me and he's like, I'm just looking for a place to hang out. I'm so lonely. And would I be able to invite him to my church and say, you know what? Come with me. I'm about to go to my church. Would would I be comfortable doing that? Would you be comfortable doing that? And to me, it's that mentality. It's it's you are not welcome here. And and so I as would yeah, as you are first meet our standards of living then you will be welcome to be a part and be associated yep. with our community. And I'm like, it should be the other way around. Like if you truly believe that the health message is important, if you truly believe that um, these standards are important, which I'm not saying they are not, we had a big complaint because we said that people do drink aren't evil. Um, I'm not saying they aren't. And I'm not saying there aren't biblical principles that say health and all these things are important. I'm not at all arguing that. Let me make myself very clear to the listener who's probably going to hear this. So you are arguing I am arguing that people who drink should go to hell. No. Um, What I am saying is, (laughs) what I am saying is, if your mentality is meet my standard of truth before I will love you, then you need to reevaluate what you're using your building for, right? Like, the reason why so many of our churches are dying are because we didn't build them with the intention of meeting people. We built them yeah. with the intention of there are already are our quote unquote people here. So let's build a church. Mm-hmm. Oh, there are yep. five Adventist families. We need a church in this area. That's the wrong way. The right way is where don't we have Adventists? Where do people yeah. need to hear about the three angels message and the love of God and health? All right. And experience it. I'm tired. I honestly, I, I'm getting. I'm not trying to get on your case, but you. you, I, you I triggered. You triggered I, hit a I hate that we. I I hate the here thing. Can we just? Like, where do people need to experience it? Right. Yeah. No. Preach the gospel like, at all times. Use words I, when necessary. I, I, I'm I, with you. Yeah. No. No. I know. It's it's a semantics thing. No. Like no. We but, always but, get into but it. I agree it with you. Me. I agree with you that it's not enough yeah. to just hear. Yeah. We actually have to live it out. I, I I'm with yeah. you on that. I'm with you on that. But. 
all of this begs a different question uh, fundamentally that that is kind of the the motiv- very motivation that I criticized earlier, which is the the motivation of we're in crisis mode. We need to save the building of the church, or you know, we need to save the building. And my thought is like, do we really need to be in crisis mode? Like, is it really, really that important that we keep the buildings open? Is it really, really important that we that we keep the current model of what a church is um, open in, in, in that? Is it is it really such a bad thing? And I get that there's physical attachment to those buildings. I get a lot of people may have come to an experience or relationship with Jesus, so they don't want to see that building torn down or closed. Uh, it's a beacon in the community. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I get there are valid reasons, but but should we be so dependent on the current church model or model of church uh, like physical, the physical reality of it, is it really, should it be a crisis mode? Especially when, when you and I belong to a denomination that largely teaches that one day we won't have those anyway. Uh, so like, I, I just wonder, is it really, really worth, um, being in crisis mode at all? I, over I'm, this I'm, stuff? You know, it's interesting you brought this up. I can't remember which class. I think it was, uh, collaborative ministries between church and school. But one of the classes I took up here, the, they asked this question. If your church, your your physical building and congregation went away next week, would your community miss it? How long would your community take to notice it was gone? And if the answer is not immediate, you need to reevaluate what the purpose of your church is. Right. Um, I'm not saying that you need to be so community focused that you don't serve your own members. I am saying, yeah, because your own members saying, will notice immediately. Yeah, right. I am saying, well, but see, to me, membership—if you are a member of the church, not just like a visitor—if you're a member, you go away too. Like you all get raptured, right? I don't believe in that, but let's say you get raptured. How long would it take your community to notice it? Right. If not right away, all right, then you need to change some things. If it's not within, I think they actually said, if it's not within a month, you need to start evaluating. And I'm like, that's too long. Like, I'd say two, three weeks at most, right? Yeah. Um, Maybe to the end of the next week. Because to me, it's like, if you, you know, that was my struggle. I loved the church I went to when I was pastoring. But when I got there, they had zero community uh, ministries. And they had zero ministries during the week. And I was like, this is not good. And when I left, thankfully, God had you know, worked it out to where we had a, a, a ministry to, uh, for the homeless and, and low income so that now it would get missed, right? Um, and and we, people come on Wednesday nights to our youth service and stuff. So like, people would notice if our church went away all of a sudden. And they have a school as well, so that's also relevant. Um, I should mention that. Uh, so they wouldn't miss it for that. But, but to me, I just go back to like, when I first got there, yeah. If, I mean, if the church went away, if the school might still be there, but if the church went away, yeah. I don't think a lot of people would. My thought, my thought is if your faith is at all tied to the existence of the building or is it all tied to the ability to go to a specific place on one day a week, then I think there's a problem. There's a red yeah. flag with yeah. your faith. That's that's kind of where I don't get me wrong. OK, like, don't miss. I'm not saying any more than what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay? yeah so yeah, yeah. For an, as an example, I'm not I think there is very much so there is a need for a for a time of gathering as a community for corporate worship 
and for uh, some sort of objective perspective right. Uh, right. being yeah. taught to our lives, and, right? And, Someone and, outside of our own friend group, our normal talk, our normal whatever, that, that brings us a teaching that we are not qualified maybe to even have studied corporate on worship. our own as lay members. Yeah, corporate worship. Yeah, like, absolutely. I, I believe in, but do we need the physical church building for that? Or can that not, like... Like, is your faith or the strength of your faith really tied to the building or is it tied to the people that you do life with? And for me, and obviously the God that you believe in and have faith in, um, that's kind of like a given. But like for me, I think it, it's more tied to, to the God in the community and it shouldn't be tied to the so building. That's where I'm sitting. I finally, I, you know, I'm going to start putting in my, my little nerd moments. Um, we need a we need a jingle for that. We need a producer. Like we need a producer who can just listen in and put jingles for these moments. Um, can Sugar be our producer? Um, I literally so, was looking at her and thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> just <laughs> anyway. So this is Tony's nerd moment. So Thor Ragnarok. Have you seen it? I'm pretty sure you just stole a transition from Freakazoid. <laughs> I was from Arrested I'm Development. I'm pretty I was sure. Arrested Development in my head. Okay. But yeah, it okay. might have been from Freakazoid. Okay, which was yeah. So underrated yes, show. Underrated show. Oh, yeah, no, that all of Steven Spielberg's so cartoons good. are that incredible. That one and uh, Static, not Static Shock. Um, was it Static Shock? No. What was the, the black? No. The black character. Uh, anim, uh, yeah. No, he was, the, he was the black. He was a black superhero. He was, like, young. He was super hip, and I loved him. He was electric, though. I want to say it was Static Shock. I want to say it was Static Shock. Might have been. Anyway. Yeah, it was Static Shock, but that wasn't. Yeah, it's yeah, a Static Shock. Shock. He was really good on, too. on like the WB. Yeah. I thought you were still talking about like Steven no, 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 Spielberg, no, 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 and I was no, like, no, no. He, he didn't, didn't do that, that one. But he yeah, was Static like, the Static Shock WB those, like, cartoon really was incredible. Underrated shows. I, I wish I'd bring him back. Not the point. Yes. Anyway, so Thor Ragnarok. The big question, because the whole time he's trying to stop um, uh, uh, the end of the world, which is called oh. Why can't I think Look of this? Look at your nerd moment. It's so good. Um, he's trying to stop <laughs> Ragnarok from struggle. coming, but the guy who starts... Anyway, Ragnarok is basically this end-of-the-world sequence. It's apocalypse for yeah, Thor's yeah, homeworld. Yeah, basically. Asgard. And he's trying to stop it the whole time. And then he finally, like, his dad comes to him in, like, a memory or a vision or whatever, and he goes, Asgard is not a place, it's a people. As long as the people are safe... There will always be Asgard, right? Mm -hmm. And so he realizes he has to start Ragnarok. Like Ragnarok wasn't a prophecy of doom. It was a it was a way of it was a positive thing, Saving salvation. People. Yeah. And in that way, I was like, oh, that's so cool. That's very much the apocalypse, judgment time. Um, but but that's the whole thing, right? Ragnar Asgard, and that's the real question it's asking: Is Asgard a place or a people? Right. Is he saving a place or is he saving the people, right? Loki wants to be king of the place. He doesn't really care about the people. Yeah. Thor cares about the people. But that's the whole, you know, that's his whole character arc. He finally got to the place where he was like, I, I am king because I care about taking care of the people, not because I want to be in charge. Yeah. Um, and then Infinity War happens. And then War Infinity happens. War happens and they all die. But that's, <laughs> we don't. No, no. Half of no, them die. No, half, half of them, of them die. die. Half of the them good die. ones. Valkyrie is still alive. I, I hope so. Valkyrie is still alive. I hope so. No, it's it's, it's oh, confirmed it? because of the new oh, posters. Is it? Because of the uh, new posters, she's I alive. Haven't seen them. You're, I haven't seen them. Posters. If you haven't seen the new posters, they they released. No, I'm not gonna. The new posters that they released, they're they're like weeks old now. Chill. Uh, the new posters they Shut released. Up, some Holland. are in color. 
representing the characters who are alive, and some are dead, featuring the characters who are, have been yeah. snapped. And um, so that that's so Valkyrie is in the colored oh, okay. side. All right. So and for not just for her, that wasn't a oh, pun. Oh, um, oh, I get, I get, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. With the, with the, the Avenge the, Avenge the Fallen, those type of posters. Yes, Avenge the Fallen, that you. line of posters. Okay, good, yes. good, good. All right, well, because she, she was awesome. Tessa Thompson is amazing. Um, I agree. I want her in all of this stuff. Her and Zazie Beats from Atlanta and and Deadpool 2. Oh my gosh. The two of them, they I in, mm-hmm. put them in all of the things. Um and Gemma Chan. But that's not the point. So um but in Thor Ragnarok, and I think that's the question that a lot of churches need to start asking themselves. Is your church the the building or is it the people? And while most people <laughs> while the pat answer is, oh well, it's the ecclesia, it's the people. Is it? Is it though? Because so many of these churches are dead. So many of these churches, and I got to be honest, these little tiny rural out-of-the-way churches, I love them, right? I think it's great that they have five, you know, people in their 90s who come together. I think that's odd. The dedication is amazing. And I don't want to abandon those people at all. But we need to question, all right, how relevant is that church to its community at that point? Not in historically, not like... Okay, what difference are you actually able to make in your community? I'm not saying that we want to abandon you. I'm not saying we want to throw you in the cold. But you, what, what led you to get to that point? For some churches, they're just in a place where they, it was inevitable, right? They were in a place that was sustaining on mm-hmm. coal jobs, and those coal jobs are gone because coal is a disgusting dairy material that we should not be using. It pollutes the air and destroys everything and, and destroys the beautiful mountains that uh, you know God gave us. Welcome to polit- Welcome to politics with Tony. Yeah. Anyway, but those those jobs are now gone, right? And so people are leaving those towns. And what do you do when you like? What do you do when everyone is left? Well, that church. Yeah. You know, for the eight people that aren't on an income anymore, their lives aren't tied to that source of income anymore. Well, they can stay, but they're not really relevant to that community anymore. So those, okay, those can be in crisis mode. But the majority of these churches are inner city kind of churches they're talking about, right? Suburb or city. And to me, I'm like, the question is not, should you be in crisis mode? The question is, how did you get there? And why why did you let it get this bad? Right? Yeah. Um, and, and I, think, I don't I think, think you should ask, of, why did you let it get this bad? Like, I don't think you should ask that question to no, 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 no. You should ask it to prevent it from happening again so you can identify the factors and move forward. And just say, all right, what did we do wrong? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Being relevant and doing things the right way are two different things, and I have to make that super clear. Nokia is the perfect example of this. Nokia did not do anything wrong, but they were not looking to get ahead of the curve. And because of that, they went bankrupt. I mean, that's Blockbuster. That's railroad companies. That's, I mean, and, and you name it. I mean, uh, Kodak's another perfect one. Co- oh, yeah, I think it was Kodak and, um, and, and Blockbuster, especially because Blockbuster was, was pitched by the Netflix people. They go, Hey, yep. What if you did this? And Blockbuster went, you're crazy. And, and it was like in an instant, like Netflix was around for about five years, I think, before it really took off with the streaming. 
Um, I think it was no, maybe it was around for a little bit longer. But I remember with the DVD service, like it was starting I to really catch that, on. I remember the the mail yeah. service, and then yeah. once they started streaming, I remember it was about three years, and then all of a sudden it was it was like Spotify, like everyone had Netflix. It was no yeah. longer it was no longer even sustainable to go. Why would I go to Blockbuster? And you know what the craziest thing about that was? Everyone was laughing at Netflix when we saw those oh, yeah. commercials originally. Oh, yeah. Everyone thought, like, why? I could just go to Block. Why am yeah. I going to wait in the mail for this that's DVD? Crazy. I can just go right now to Blockbuster. And then all of a sudden. And they still and, won. And, but that's the thing is, is Blockbuster didn't do anything wrong. Same with Kodak. The, the guy, one of the employees of Kodak, it was either Kodak or Fuji. I want to say it was Kodak because Fuji's still around. One of the employees of Kodak said, hey, I found a way to make digital pictures and they're not great right now, but this is the future. And Kodak said, <laughs> we've been around since the 1800s yeah. and they're gone. Not just like, Oh, they are gone now. JC Penny Sears. None of these companies did anything wrong per se. And I'm sure that you could look back. I know is the one that legitimately the, the, the CEO was like, we literally did everything by the book. But that's what we need to realize. When we are doing church, you can do church the right way, theologically and even practically. But if you are not relevant, if you are not asking the question constantly, what does our community need? How can we reach our community? How can we best present this message? Mm-hmm. You will be left behind. And that's why you have to ask, how did we let it get this bad that we're in crisis mode? Right, because yeah. every church, uh, every should church be... should be asking how do you know how do we stay relevant? Essentially, every year, right? Yeah. Every every voting cycle, you should be asking that. Like, okay, what can we do new? What's working? What isn't? Yeah. Um, but politics do give you an accurate, a pretty accurate picture of like what the pulse of society is within your context. They can give you like local politics, especially. Um, I, like I, I definitely see the validity in, in uh, around voting years or campaign elections, like figuring out like what is important to the people in your community and what can you do to, um, like what can you do in those in those situations and around those problems? Like absolutely, I can see, um, I can see a lot of potential there, one hundred percent. But I find it funny because there's so many churches that say like we need to be in the world, not of the world, and I'm sitting here thinking like you're so dead, you're not even yeah, in the I'm world like, you, or you of the, like you're actually neither. Be in the world though, like. Yeah, there's there's an in the world portion of that that you're kind you're of not missing. In the here. Wor- you are you have, I, and and I mean that's the thing. Okay, so this is not to knock necessarily, but if you look at the Amish community, the Amish community as a whole is reaching the same problem that the German community as a whole, nat- natural, quote unquote Germans, right? Um, they're not making babies. And there's a major crisis because people are focusing on the career and not on making more Germans. And so uh, without immigration, they're literally saying Germany could go away, I think, by 2050. Like it, it will it will reach like a major uh, population crisis. Right. Um, so thankfully, they, they have immigration and they're bringing people in and, and, and they're trying to stave that off and trying to you know find ways to, to spur growth. But if you look at the Amish community, it's the same thing because they don't really go out and convert people, um, which is where at least with the, with at least to me, even though Adventists don't do evangelism, in my opinion, the correct way, at least they're they value it. 
to me. I'm like, all right, well, at least we we want to actually go. Yeah, there's and potential grow. to actually transform it yeah, if people exactly. value it. Exactly, and with. so um, we just value tradition more, unfortunately, at this moment. But that's that's neither here nor there. To me, I think when you go back to, all right, are you looking to actually grow or actually looking to present it the right way? Because I'm not necessarily saying that you need to change what you're saying or how you do it. What I am saying is the wrapping that that comes in needs to change, right? Um, Whether that is becoming a yoga center, you know, having dancing classes, whether that is opening a coffee shop or, you know, our church has a, you know, the one that I was talking about, when they built their new church, they incorporated a smoothie bar in the lobby. And that was something that I was the most proud of, like, that idea was there. And I was like, you know, we really ought to move it in this area. Like, that was the one thing that I kind of got listened to. And I was the most proud of because I'm like, this is so huge. That is the relevancy that's needed. Because when youth come in, you can turn that into a cafe area. Right, you can turn that into a place of meeting and hanging out and being a part, and that's what you want: are these areas to actually live life in. Um, and if you can do that, great, go for that because be, being relevant, I think, is important, and that's what helps keep you. I think, not needing that's where that's where having a physical facility can become an asset instead of a a a drag because otherwise do a home church right it's cheaper it's faster most church plants are home churches and i'm a hundred percent behind that i think you should i mean if you can find a space that's that works for you that's fine um but meeting a home it's so much nicer like we have a great area here well there's uh in the home we're living in in Berrien springs which you need to come up and visit so you can see it um I'm I'm literally coming up this week. That's what I'm saying. Like you need to come by, um, but like we have a great space. Like I would be totally comfortable having a home church right here in the living room we have. Right, um, it would get messy. It would be it would be an issue for sure. Like there would be a lot of complications with it. But I would totally love it because it feels warm. We have a vespers that meets here, and it feels warm. Even when we have twenty twenty five people, yeah. it still feels like people can know each other. They can talk to each other. They can meet. I've met some of these churches where you go and it's like, even though it's a small church, I felt disconnected. It felt, I didn't feel welcomed, right? And it's not necessarily just about how I felt. It was like, you are not doing certain things, right? From an analytical standpoint, I was watching and saying, you are not doing these certain things. You're not being relevant. You know, they only use Adventist language. And and those are the types of things that when you have a physical building, it, it allows you to stay within the bounds of what you're comfortable with and you end up not being able to reach away and say, how is this impacting people? Right? Because I will feel uncomfortable walking into a cathedral in my jeans, but I should feel comfortable walking into a church in whatever I'm wearing. You should be a visitor, Mm -hmm. not me. Sorry. A visitor should feel comfortable walking in no matter what they're wearing. They should feel like I can come into this place and feel at home and sometimes not having a physical building can be such an asset. Yeah, I agree. I, there, there are two things that I'm actually interested in. One of them is, I think, a, a side of this that we haven't considered yet. Actually, I think both are. Uh, one, I would want to know the, uh, the tax benefits or, or tax uh, problems or cons that would come from, from doing a house church model. Uh, there is great benefit in being able to donate to your denomination and having that be tax-deductible, 501c3. Getting away from buildings affects that. Within Adventism, it definitely affects our structure. 
um, and our ability to give and how all of that happens. Like there's a lot that goes into that for sure. But I, you know, that, that is all stuff that needs to be considered. But my main point that I want to really talk about here is I think there's a huge negative to doing multi-use or a facility that I hadn't even considered until just now, which is this. The more time your church members are spending in your building, the less they're actually out making an impact in the community. And if you are pulling in everyone into your church throughout the week, then you're not actually going out and supporting your community um, and the businesses that already exist there, right? So if I turn my coffee shop, if I turn my my lobby or my my you know my sanctuary worship center whatever into a coffee shop, I'm now competing actively against local coffee shop owners, regardless, especially if I'm offering it free. So there is, I think, a real economic impact that should be considered here. Now, don't get me wrong. The people that come in, I'm definitely serving them, right? I'm de- we're definitely serving the community that comes in. But you're also, um, you are putting yourself at odds with some local businesses and um, potentially local politicians as well um, who, um, who can work against you. And so this is something that I, I, I do find interesting um, is, is how you go about this, I think, matters. Yeah. And well, uh, building positive relate like so. I, I, and, let me give you an example. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, Crosswalk Chattanooga is the church that I lay pastor at, and one of the things I love is we started serving. Uh, we we bought an espresso machine. We started we serve espresso on Saturday mornings for free. There's no nothing. There's no payment allowed. But the beauty of that is we actually partnered with a local coffee vendor to provide the to provide what we do. Like that's the kind of partnership that I would want to see if you're doing it in a local church environment. Um, I don't. What I don't like the idea of is just like importing some Starbucks coffee or doing some, you know, doing something right, different yeah. that actually uh, that actively competes with the people in your. Well, community. and I think that's where you go back to the case on case basis, right? If there's already a community center, you're not because you're not. And again, I go back to: Are you doing this for money? Are you doing this to stay relevant? Because if there's already 18 coffee shops. Making a church into a coffee shop in Seattle, right? Not not needed. But yeah, having at that a point, community at that point, garden, you're making coffee yeah, shops into church. But, but having a community garden, right? In your on your church yeah. property, um, you know, like like to to me, I think that's it. It's like find the find the the needs that need to be filled, and find a way to 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 create a space in your church that can that can fill them right soup kitchens th- traditionally those have been also you know uh, uh there was a church in florida that was like they were a, a hurricane shelter and they were so good that they literally became like the the people who moved into the area were like oh yeah you need to go to this church like know them because this this is they do it the best way yeah and i'm like that's okay that's perfect for florida right what do they always need hurricane shelters why because every year there's a hurricane it's almost like god is saying don't live in this horrible place um and i'm kidding to all floridians that was a joke um Oh, so is florida yeah, so no, and i say as that a floridian. as a floridian um but like uh so uh, you know all right new york Community gardens, uh, Portland, I don't know, hair dyeing stations, I, whatever. Like things that are relevant to your community, whatever your community needs. Um, I would love to do like a trivia night at your church, right? Take your facility and, mm, you know, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm not saying, oh, well, if there are, you know, sports pubs or places in town. 
there wasn't any place in the town we were at that did like a trivia night. You know what I mean? Like we weren't competing with anyone. Like it wasn't a place to go do something like that. They just don't do that there. So it's like create, find a, find a way to do that. Uh, 5Ks, marathons, right? Oh, that's there, Portland. There you go. Do a 5K, right? Sponsored by your church. Um, whatever. Like do some, like over here, like they have a McKee. Uh, what is it? 10K? Or something in Chattanooga. I don't know. It's remember. a race. Yeah. Now, ironically, it is sponsored by McKee Foods, which, you know, they make little Debbie products. So there's kind of a, a, a subtle irony there in that. But even then, Chattanooga is starting to become a green city, right? Like it's it's a health conscious place for the, the most part. And so I think that there's a lot of relevancy in that. And now people are saying, oh, hey, McKee Foods. Well, where is that? Oh, look, it's, you know, Southern's helping out. Southern is doing this. Cool. What's Southern? And those, to me, are the things that you can do to become relevant in where you're at. And I agree with you. Don't compete because, again, if the purpose is just to make money, then yes. You know, then that is something that you're going to have to deal with. But to me, if the purpose is being relevant and becoming part of a community, then you won't be competing because by nature – you're not you're you're trying to find the space that is that is already needed the the things that are not being done yep and i and i want to clarify here as we kind of wind down because it can be easy to wonder like okay so we talked about this but now what does this have to do with absurdity i think the absurdity in this episode the thing that we find absurd and maybe we should start doing this to wrap up episodes or maybe it should be the first question we ask after we introduce a topic here's, is why is your it moment to of us? hooey um yeah the is um Churches should have been serving their communities all along. That's why this is absurd. Like you should be doing relevant ministry in your city, neighborhood, suburb, wherever the heck you are. Um, You know, you should be doing active community partnership on a regular basis already. The fact that we are just now starting to become multi-use facilities is ridiculous to me. It is absurd to me that that is. So, so if you're curious, that's why that's where the inspiration I think for this episode came from is like, really? (laughs) Um, I mean, great that we're finally doing it, but it shouldn't have to take. Yeah. (laughs) Like it shouldn't take, it shouldn't take you needing to close the church for you to sit there and say, all right, how do we become relevant in our community? That should be a question that you're already asking. Yep. So for those of you out there whose churches are not on the brink of getting closed, uh, start asking that question now if you are not already. And if you are— Start asking it before yeah, it's a problem. continue to yep. ask, right? Continue to ask the question, how do we stay relevant? How do we become a, yep. a, an integral part of our community? So, yeah, do it. Yeah. Do I it. Agree. Well— Thank you guys for listening to Absurdity and for being on this journey with us. If you want to subscribe to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. Every dollar helps us out and helps this podcast be successful. Tony, thank you for being on for this and, and being a part of this, man. I uh, I love you. I love you a lot. For all of those um, who, who can't got some, see, I'm doing finger guns to Ryan. Yeah. It's pretty great, actually. Visual gags and podcasts are always a great thing. Um and yeah, if you follow us on iTunes, please don't for, uh, please don't forget to rate and review us. That helps with visibility. Tell a friend about us too. I don't well, know why I haven't been saying that, but tell a friend about us. Uh, share the episode on Instagram. Do whatever you can to help us become more visible. Uh, more listeners means also more potential to keep this going. So um, thank you guys so much for all the support you've given, just for listening and for your time. And we'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. 
The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.